We started culturally speaking to indulge our curiosity about the way others live and a desire to inspire conversations about how we have far more in common than we realise. Hey everyone, welcome back. How are you doing, Janice? Good. I think as we're recording this, we're coming to the end of the weekend. I just can't wait for the weekend. You do realize it's like only Thursday. <laughs> close enough. Once we're past hump day, close enough. You know, I said happy hump day to somebody yesterday and they like totally didn't get it. I was like, is this just passe now? Uh, I don't know. I still hear people say it. So it can still be relevant on this podcast. Okay. Um, so I did a thing today. I went to get some photos taken for a trip that I'm going on because I need, you know, passport style photos. I should say it's not my passport. Um, I, I've done that. I no longer now have the like EU passport. I have to have like the British one. Anyway, um, but it was so tragic. Like, I don't think I've ever looked worse in a photo that's going to stay on a piece of identity forever. But like, I really liked my passport one. I have to say, I feel like it it captured me well. And I feel like it's going to like stand the test of time because you don't change it that often, really, do you? It's 10 years, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I've been watching... um some videos of people I think in America doing passport makeup like passport photo makeup yeah actually it might not be passport I think it's just a driver's license because they're wild like they are full-on glam makeup and I'm pretty sure we're not allowed to do that here so I think if it changes your appearance to the point of where like you're unrecognizable without it but I mean that's a very gray area right because it's like okay so today like I put on some mascara do my eyelashes normally look like that no obviously not like but did I do it for the photo absolutely you you do have nice lashes (laughs) you do have nice natural lashes but yeah I mean do you have like do you like your identity or like passport photos for like your driving so so my old passport which thank God I renewed a few years ago was terrible to the point where every time. Um, so when I enter Hong Kong, uh, I actually can use my um, Hong Kong ID card and we'll come to that later. But when I leave, it's still a passport. And obviously when I come back to the UK, I have to come in with my passport before I renewed it. I got stopped every single time. And I get a range of comments from just being perplexed, like, is this you? To taking the piss, asking, have I had something done? Uh, Because I just don't look like myself in that picture. And I was, what, 17, I guess, maybe in that picture. And we change, don't we? Like, I mean, I say that my high school photos look like, you know, like the ones you get taken at school, like your school photographs. Like, Mm. I could probably use one of those as like, one of my headshots at work and it'd be no, fun. my face my face has changed so much I, I can understand do. I understand the comments about getting things done and all, and all of that not particularly kind but I do get that um and recently I had my Hong Kong ID renewed 
And I really like the system though. Obviously in Hong Kong, we use our IDs for identification, right? Whereas here in the UK, we've got a driver's license and also a passport. Um, and again, my old photo was terrible. <laughs> and the picture is in black and white, which complicates yes. things. Uh, which is why I mentioned the whole makeup thing, because I actually went and looked at some Asian versions of those makeups and I did a little bit of makeup. So no, no waterline um, eyeliner at all. A little bit of mascara. I did contour a little bit because usually you have that great big flash. Like if you go yes. to Snappy Snaps, it washes you out. Yeah. And then you're all like shiny in the weirdest places and everything looks flat. So I did contour a little bit um, and put some, you know, pressed powder for the shine. Did you do and lips? Because you don't just, wear lipstick normally, no, do you? No, I just use lip balm. Because mm. I think that's one of the things. I don't think you're allowed really bright lips. No, because I think if you put like a really dark lipstick, it can change the shape of your lips. Yeah. And they must use identification, like the, where your corners start, where your cupid's bow is. Um, so anyway, this is the best photo I've ever taken for any official document. When I got there, the lady was super patient, sat down. It's all very simple because I'm just renewing mine. And they just verify your um, fingerprints because that's how, um, that's the biometric that Hong Kong government stores. And then she even said to me, oh, a lot of girls, you know, especially in Asia, they don't like that the faces are quite round. So if you want to, you can pull some strands down, like face framing strands. And um, she took my picture three times. And each time she would say, oh, maybe you want to like, you know, look down a little bit. That angle's better. And she was like a professional photographer. And so you had a woman. The I had a man. And it, it's interesting you said about hair because I originally mm. like wanted my hair like because you know I wear it quite long and it's like normally in my face. Yeah. He's like, no, I've got to be able to see your ears. So like I had to. He's like, you know, I need to be able to see your ears for this. So I had to look like this. That's weird, isn't it? Because I that's what I thought. So I had my hair like kind of slicked back and like tight, not tied, but I had it brushed and behind my ears. And she actually said, oh, you you can put it you know in front yeah. to frame I your mean, face and I showed you um yeah off screen right that I and you look, look yeah I look good in this picture which is just you look really cute you do look really cute which segues quite nicely to what we're talking about today um because I mean a photo over a decade fashion that's what I was thinking about does fashion change and that's what we're talking about today British fashion because I think it's fair to say, like, we are a fashion capital of the world. Like, London is a fashion capital of the world, certainly. Mm. Um, I mean, London Fashion Week, which is, I mean, we're in the middle of Fashion Week, right? We're in the middle of autumn, winter fashion weeks. Um, yeah. And there are four big ones, obviously. So London, Paris, Milan, and New York. Um, and I don't, have you ever been to a fashion show? I think I must have been to, you know, not the big names, not the biggest names, but I think I've been to something in London Fashion Week, possibly a yeah. few years ago. 
I think what I was really like astounded by was everyone thinks of Fashion Week as like just the designers, like the main designers that mm. are well known and like the models that walk. But there's a whole thing after Fashion Week, which is probably like what we might have been to, and I certainly have attended it. That's like the London Fashion Festival, which is like a buying frenzy, basically, mm-hmm. for everyone. But there's also so many like auxiliary events. Like there's always so many parties, so many pop-ups, so many other designers that come into town. Um, and I think London in itself has got quite a like a uh, tradition of being quite innovative. So they were like the first fashion weeks to have like broadcast the shows online. Really? Like I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if you remember those basically back in 2010. To to go to Fashion Week is like considered I mean, it's only reserved for people that are invited. Yeah. Right. You VIP. have to have a ticket. Yeah, exactly. But to make it more accessible to the lay person, they then started to broadcast the shows. And like now, obviously, with the advent of social media and all of the various publishing channels, you can't imagine a show not being streamed. Like it's instantaneous, mm. our kind of access to it. But yeah, London was the first week, uh, first of the major fashion weeks to stream it. Um, I think we always focus on like women's fashion, but there's also men's fashion, Mm. uh, which I thought was kind of a nice thing. Um, But also it was the first fashion week to ban fur. Really? Mm. Because of the protests by Peter. What are your thoughts on fur? Okay, well, anyone who knows me, in fact, I think we even posted a photo of this. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm going to say. Yeah. So... I'll like go straight to I don't wear real fur um before anyone comes at me and hates on me um I don't wear real fur um but I do love a bit of faux fur and so do you I think there's a great there's a ridiculous photo of us where we've both got like you've got your uh, this coat literally makes you look like like a gangster's mole I'm not and I look like something out of Monsters Inc I literally, I could be like Sully's twin, but it's not blue. Um, I did actually find a blue version of that coat, by the way, in anthropology. I think you should get it. <laughs> that was great. Um, so yeah, no, I, I do love, I do love a ridiculous outfit in general. But um, yeah, a bit of faux fur. Also, we're coming into the season, so all my faux fur is going to come out. <laughs> it's not quite cold enough yet, but I agree. I don't personally own any real fur. Um, but I do like a bit of faux fur. I think it adds glamour to any it's outfit. It's just so... And also, do you know the number of people that want to then touch it? I do mean, you get people that stroke you? Yes, because you know that ridiculous mobster faux fur <laughs> coat I've got? It is very soft. Yes. But I'm not that keen on people coming up to touch me, if I'm honest. Neither am I, but, like, it just... I think it. people just like to pet it, don't they? It is yeah, it's very, kind of- very snuggly. Yes, exactly. But no, I, the fun thing actually kind of brings me on to like, I guess the way the attitude to fashion has changed. Because like, if you imagine back in the day, fur was considered like the must have, like there was an era where a mm. woman was judged actively on the furs that she owned. Mm-hmm. And like, it was a status thing. It was an elite thing. And now people choose it as like a marker of, Oh, it's fallen out of fashion. It's Cruella. Yeah. 
Mm. And I don't know if it'll ever come back round because I say fashion is always cyclical, but that doesn't feel particularly cyclical to me. It feels like no. the world has moved on. Some things just don't age well, I think. No, I don't think they do at all. It's and like, I think... um, sorry, I was going to say it's like the, is it the noughties or yeah, the noughties when we would have been teenagers, you know, the extremely low waisted jeans. Yes. I hope that doesn't come back. I don't have the body confidence for it. But we're in the 90s revival, right? And have been for a few years. I have seen, actually, in fact, just today, when I went out to the shop, I saw a lot of, you know, the purple, the pink, the tracksuits coming back. I'm not sure I'm on board with it. Mm. It was interesting because I was reading up about, like, the vibe and fashion vibes and like street fashion versus high fashion so like mm. London is always known for being quite like cr- I mean as a, as a creative industry like it pushes boundaries and it's mm-hmm. supposed to be quite evocative like the imagination runs wild and it's also all about kind of being outrageous and like we lean into that in our street I think fashion. so mm-hmm. yeah and when I think about like British designers over the decades it's kind of true, right? Like the swinging 60s, it's like Mary Quan, mm-hmm. like the mini skirt, the mini micro, micro mini skirts. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we would have loved the 60s. I they, think that aesthetic suited us because we're like, all about the legs. Yes. And like you do great flicks with like your makeup, like your cat eyes, um, the hair. Like I would, I love the hair. You would have had great because you've got really good volume with your hair actually um I think I would have really enjoyed and your big earrings yes like my big yeah that would have been great I don't know if I'd have been into necessarily like all of the color I'll remind you about the color of your uh faux fur coat okay but I wore that with an all black outfit I just like to clarify um but then you get like the likes of like Vivian Westwood, like the punk, the safety pins, the tartan. That's a hard one to navigate, you know. So I, I don't know if I ever had any Vivian stuff. I don't think so. I, it's just not my look. I was really surprised that you wore tartan. Like the one time you turned up in this outfit, which was very cute, by the way. But I didn't know that tartan was a thing for you. Is that the pinafore dress? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I do have a tartan skirt as well. Mm. It reminds me too much of, like, school uniform for me, which is why I don't really wear it. Yeah, do you remember when I messaged you when I sent you my outfit pic and I said I look like I walked out of Clueless? Yeah. I quite like it. I think for work it's okay uh, with black tights, usually a cream top. Um, But did you know, I read today, actually, that Virgin Atlantic... Oh, Virgin Air? <laughs> what are they talking about? The airline. Yes, the airline. They now have Vivian Westwood designed um, uniforms. Why am I not surprised? I mean, it's a very British brand overall, isn't it? So I was going to say Virgin plus British, you know, plus Vivian Westwood. You couldn't get more yeah. British, really, could you? Have you worn any Westwood? No. 
not it's not really our look because we're not punk at all you know to me vivian westwood will forever be helena bottom carter yeah that i've so, never seen like two like a brand and a celebrity so like closely entwined and aligned in like vision i she's a classic like really good example i think of the i guess forwardness of british fashion yes yeah whether you like it or not right it's a look mm. yeah i agree and i think going back to that point of like forwardness Mm. The other one that comes to mind as we were talking about for Stella McCartney banning like all leather, silk fur from her collection because they're all about. I mean, I I, belie- I don't hold me to it, but I believe everything in her line tries mm. to be as sustainable and like eco friendly as possible. I think that extends to like the sourcing as well as materials. That's another brand that I don't own anything from because you know me I'm either the luxurious side of things or I'm at leisure although I think her aesthetic is more it blurs the line of feminine and masculine so there's a lot of like silhouettes and shapes that aren't super fitted which is yeah and everybody who knows me I only wear fitted clothes (laughs) unless it's a pair of joggers but even then they have to be, you know, skinny fit and pretty tailored. I don't wear anything that's flowy. <laughs> I think it's so them. interesting. We have like completely opposite silhouettes. Yes. I mean, yeah, because I, I go with a lot of flow, don't I? Mm. I like a lot of movement. <laughs> and... Talking about designers, I think we have to talk about Burberry. Of course. And Paul Smith. Yes. Actually, so many of these brands are British. I haven't even thought about it. I know, because when we were talking about this episode and planning it, you were like, what is there to say? I'm like, hello, all of the great <laughs> like British designers. What, are, what other brands are there? Let's have a look. I'm going to like do a little bit of a... Christopher Kane, Roxander Illich, Erdem, um, Julie McDonald, Alexander McQueen. How could we forget him? Of course. I okay. mean, there's the architect. There's a hell lot of brands <laughs> that I didn't realize were British. Go on, which one surprised you? I don't know. I guess now I'm looking at a list of them. I didn't know All Saints was British. Yes. I didn't know Anne Summers was British. Although, I mean, <laughs> That's not Anne design. Summers. Um, okay, I guess, okay, now it makes sense to me. <laughs> Basically, cool. a lot of brands that I would shop from are actually British. Uh, interesting. Like Barber. Shall, yes. we, shall we tell people about the time we bought child size clothes from Barbara? Well, I own this. Everybody knows me. So uh, probably this does probably translate in the video, but, um, and you can probably see the difference. Um, I'm fairly small, <laughs> reasonably you can see. Um, and adult clothing just sometimes doesn't quite work properly because it's not, and with something you can get it tailored with a barber coat, it's a little bit harder. 
Um, and so I turned Janice onto the fact that sometimes shorter clothing just works far better. And she's never Although, looked back. We did <laughs> find out something interesting. So I'm a little bit taller than you, I think. Uh, we went to try on some barber uh, jackets. And while the sleeves and the body, everything worked fine, we confirmed that I had a much longer neck. It was actually and hilarious. So the hood doesn't quite... It does, but it's just not very comfortable. Honestly, it was like an ostrich, like, poking out. <laughs> it was great. Um, yeah, no, that, that was all. But, you know, I have, I have both. I have adult and child versions for different things, but... Sometimes I do just... like Barber. I'm thinking of getting myself another jacket from there, but maybe a, a waxed one instead. So I'm all about the waxed. It's not super warm, though, like when it's proper cold. No, but that's why I have the lighting. Mm. And I layer and it. Actually, let me segue into a brand I definitely highly recommend and I wear all the time, which is Gymshark. Did people <laughs> know that Gymshark is British? And I they, didn't had very, know that. they had very, I humble they had very humble beginnings. Huh. No, they had very humble beginnings. Um, and I think this was founded in 2012. And it was just some guy who set it up when they were at university. And look at it now. That bedroom idea that you had with a couple of friends on the back of a paper napkin. What other brands do you want to talk about? Burberry, I mentioned. You do. So what do you think about where Burberry's gone from like what it used to be in the early 2000s to where it is now? I don't know where where has it gone? Like for me personally, I don't own that much from Burberry. I've got my trench, although I did get it in a slightly golden version. So not the typical color. And I have a couple of jumpers and that's it. I don't find that Burberry clothes suit me very much because they're quite boxy again not Um, fitted do you remember when Burberry used to be associated with like the head to toe check pattern Mm -hmm. every item possible and it was seen as dare I say a little bit low rent oh you mean what the chavs were yeah 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 um and it went from that to a complete I mean did a 180 right hmm and it involved some very savvy marketing, taking it away from, you know, what it had been associated with to be going back to that kind of stylish roots, rooting it in the Mac, putting a mm. lot of focus on celebrities. Do you remember Cara Delevingne? Mm-hmm. Eddie Redmayne. Oh, be still. <laughs> um, and, you know, they used to pack out their front row with the who's who of anyone, right? Mm. Um and yeah, I think there's been such a turnaround on that brand. Angela Andres was, you know, an institutional part of that brand for so long. Um, and it's gone through a different iteration now, but I think it's also had backlash, right? Um, they were them. Um, and yeah, I think it was Burberry that was accused of burning stock. I didn't know about that. Mm. So... And this is not unusual, by the way. I think it happens mm-hmm. with other fashion houses. It's just they happen to cop bad press. But to keep the exclusivity of a brand, at the end of a season, whatever's not sold um, and whatever has not been marked to go to an outlet or to, you know, um, 
to be sold in, in, in another way, they have to destroy. Mm. But obviously you're then, you know, the argument is it's not very green naturally. It's a waste of resource. Um, you know, could that be used better? But in order to not dilute the value of the brand, mm-hmm. that's what they do. And I mean, I think it's sad, but and then equally, I and mean, I certainly don't shop New Season Burberry personally, but mm. um, I guess there is a cachet with wanting that season, right? And not. That's something that I never understood. Like, I honestly don't care if it's this season or last season. If it looks nice, it, it looks nice. I've got jumpers from like four years ago that still look great and I will happily wear them. I think, and you and I are very similar in that sense, in that, like, I always tell you I try and curate a wardrobe that will sort of last. I'm more interested in it. I think both of us wear quite a lasting, first of all, as you can see today, not a lot of pattern. (laughs) So I think we, we tend to buy clothes that are good for mixing and matching and basically will just last. I mean, every winter, as it's coming into jumper season, I'm tempted to buy a new jumper and I have to stop myself because it's not like I physically changed enough to get new ones. So yeah, I think, I think we're both quite good on that. We wear quite not plain in that sense, but you know. I think as well with the rise of circular fashion and the rise of rental platforms, on a scale which we'd not, I mean, I can understand people that have always shared clothes. Like we don't have sisters, so we, you and I, don't particularly. Unfortunately, no. Um, so we don't particularly swap or share. But I think, imagine if I had grown up with one, maybe there'd be more sharing. And I certainly steal like accessories from my mom. And I say steal, not borrow, because they rarely go back. <laughs> um, you know, I think there's that. That's always been an informal thing. But now, do you remember when, like? There's been some very famous people that have worn rented dresses off platforms that have come to prominence mm. in the last couple of years. And, and the one that comes to mind, just because it was, you know, a media thing, was Carrie Johnson, Boris Johnson's wife, mm-hmm. who wore a rented wardrobe throughout his time in office, including her wedding dress. I mean, I don't think I'd mind that. Uh, let me think about that statement. Yeah, I don't think I'd mind that, except you'd I have think- to be so careful. I wonder what happens. Could you remember that episode of, did you ever watch The Hills? No. Oh. So, Elsie, did you watch Laguna Beach? I know, I know who they are. Yeah. yeah. So she borrowed, obviously they all worked in fashion as interns. Um, and she went to Paris and she borrowed a dress from a, de- like, I assume from a designer. And, you know, did something to it to like change it went out on a date and then when she got home the dress had a mark on it and not like something you could disguise like Mm -hmm. obviously but that's like what do you do I don't know I imagine you just have to pay for it or pay for it to be cleaned (laughs) and if it can't be cleaned you just have to pay for it I think so because actually um I'm not sure where you would do that here but I know that in Hong Kong it's it's been a thing for many many years now You've got these um, shops. You can go in person to have a look as well. Basically, you buy secondhand, thirdhand, but like luxury handbags. Yes. 
which I think is a good idea. I mean, I've got some. There are some in London. Yeah. But I've got handbags that I don't want to throw away because it's not like they're broken or anything, but I just simply am not using them anymore. Mm. So I'd happily rent these out if anyone's interested. Well, the rise of that, I think, is very interesting. But I guess coming back to, I guess, British fashion, Mm -hmm. British models. For a small island, we produce a hell of a lot of models. Kate Moss. Classic. Naomi. Mm-hmm. All the, the supers, right? Actually, you're right. You're right. A lot of, like, back in that era, the first generation of supermodels. Twiggy. Mm. She's a lot. Like, iconic. Yeah. And then, like, even the modern ones, right? Cara. I mean, Rosie she's going, going through some stuff now, I, I, I believe. <laughs> I know. But I mean, she came from Rosie Huntington Whiteley. She's gorgeous. It's just the world is not fair sometimes. <laughs> and I was thinking, do you know who's uh, kind of not up and coming, but she became a designer? Yes. Victoria Beckham. Of course. Amazing style. And actually, I remember a couple of times when I was in Selfridges and walked past um where you know her clothes are displayed yeah I actually feel like I can get on board with that aesthetic because it's all very like form fitting and sharp lines but I never found a reason to pay that much for a dress basically um it's she also makes clothes for people with long torsos and as we both know I have no torso so correct so I found that to be a problem. Number one with skirts as well as dresses. Everything comes up short. Because we've had this discussion, like high-waisted things are like basically just under our boobs. It's it's not a good look. And there are a few times where I put something on to go to work with and I thought I might have problems sitting down in this, so I need to change. So... The, the the problems of having a short body as Indeed. we've experienced. But well this is an interesting one. You talked about body and like different we have different kind of makeups, dynamics, whatever. Mm. British beauty standards. Tell me. So I found the UK's ideal body image has thinner legs and arms as well as a flatter stomach. Women with fuller lips, a slimmer face, larger eyes, and higher cheekbones are considered as being more attractive, and men with more rugged and ma- masculine faces are again seen as being much more attractive. So that's Rosie Huntington-Whiteley and Jason Statham, basically. In a nutshell, it's like it's the British, ro- like the English Rose, isn't it? Rosie, okay. Kira Knightley, Emma Watson. Kira Knightley doesn't have full lips. No, but she has the cheekbones. I mean, it's all up here. Is it's like I can't even do it. But it's all okay. Up. I think neck up, we're done. Yeah, but we have got slim arms and legs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't sound very sure. But here's the thing that I found this really funny, and you might laugh, right? Considering our complexions, um, the UK's obsession with tanning 
Liverpool is the most tanned city with over 60% of women applying self-tan at least five times a month. Five times a month. There's not even five weeks in most months. So that means you're tanning twice a week. I actually used to know someone who did it every day. (laughs) (laughs) And you've never had a spray tan, right? Shockingly, no. I've never had a spray tan. I've had it done before. Oh, I know. And it's a hilarious experience. So this is my first time, like quite a few years ago. And so you walk in, it's pretty chilled actually. And you don't feel self-conscious. And I think, sorry if there are any guys listening to this, but for any women out there, once you're at a certain age, you've done things like, you know, get a smear test or get laser hair removal. Why did you apologize to the men out there listening? Just in case it I don't know they might not want to hear about smear tests okay. well, but do them say, you know they <laughs> save lives <laughs> exactly anyway so you go in and I remember this lady like she's very nice actually because I told her it was my first time I didn't know what to expect and she said do you want to look like you've been in the sun for an afternoon or you've been on holiday somewhere sunny for a couple of weeks or you've gone and li- moved there what did you go with the last one obviously you moved there yeah because and I'll tell you you didn't think let me go gradual and build you thought let me go full okay because in my experience because of our complexion I don't think I think it needs to be quite strong to give me that olive tan otherwise I'll just look kind of like golden question do you know how like when you do your makeup the shades are adjusted to you do they adjust the spray tan shade to your complexion or is it just one generic oh okay in my head I don't know I thought they would adjust it I don't know why I mean it would be great if they did I mean if you went to super luxurious places maybe they do but from my understanding the color that you see anyway it's just a guide color right you wash that off um which is why in the summer in the UK, you just see orange people everywhere that you can tell. And I think, unfortunately, when you put spray tan on like Caucasian skin, it does look, you, you can tell that it's fake. Whereas we can get away with a bit of self-tanner, I think, because we have a lot more red um, in our skin tone. And so anyway, back to the spray tan. So went for the darkest one. Because I knew it wouldn't come out very well anyway. It, it, it's very hard for my skin to tan, unfortunately. Um, so you go to the booth and they give you those like, you know, disposable pants. Like, I think Does it's a thong. leave them all? So completely up to you. Some people like the look of having been on a holiday. So they actually wear a bikini to get their spray tan. So it looks like a bikini tan. I just whipped everything off. And I think that the girl was surprised and I was like, sorry, <laughs> didn't know what I was expecting. So I just whipped everything off. Um, and so they start with basically, you know, the easy bits, like they spray you from the front, from the back. And then you start doing these like weird, like acrobatic movements because they need to get every nook and cranny. Of course. So then they ask you to like, you know, raise one arm and put the other down. Um, or they will ask you to raise both arms up, but then 
obviously shut your eyes, nose, mouth, so they spray you from the front. Um, yeah, so you, you end up posing kind of like Egyptian paintings, you know, those angles, <laughs> so they get everything. <laughs> and then I remember I was just laughing so much because I had no idea what to expect, and it was just very funny. But it, it turned out well. There was no streaks, nothing. What do you do with your hair? Do oh, they, they give you a cap. Okay, so that would be my, I love how that's my concern. (laughs) And and actually, they did say, do you want me to spray your face or not? And I kind of thought, why wouldn't I? Because... Well, I don't know. Why would you, I guess not because in case... The The only time I think that's relevant is if you are going into bodybuilding competitions where you only need it dark neck down to show definition because if you go look at pictures or videos the ladies always have their faces made up but their faces are usually their natural color oh but they normally say try you it should all match right I know anyway I said yes so but it was good although I don't think it only really lasts like a week or so. So I don't, I'm, you know, big respect to these people who do it twice a week. It's but a this lot of effort. But this makes more sense about the women in Liverpool. Yeah, now, now you're saying it does make more sense. What do you mean? Why they get it done five times a month. Yeah, because it only lasts a week. God, that's a lot of upkeep. I mean, <laughs> it's, not, it's not expensive actually, but it's a lot of effort because once you've had it done, obviously you can't dry to a hundred percent before you leave the shop because you know, they have other people coming. Um, so you need to wear like something that's black and loose fitting and kind of gingerly go home, hope, hoping that you haven't, you know, streaked anything. And then once you get home, you need to wait eight hours for it to develop. I always worry about the sheets. Aha, uh-huh. so there is a solution for people like you. They've now come up with a <laughs> to, to fake clarify, tan thing. To clarify, Janice is talking about the fact that, I mean, I'm a purist. You value like, your beddings. And it's all white. Yeah. yeah. So there is now a product for this specifically. Um, basically, imagine a sleeping bag, but that you can also put over your pillows and you, you go inside it. So you don't touch anything. So you're telling me I have to sleep in a sleeping bag? But it's very thin. Like it's not snug like a sleeping bag. It just protects your sheets. It's too much effort. Every time I've had it done, which is twice actually in my whole life, I usually get it done in the morning. So by the evening I can wash it off. So I, I never had to worry about this. Okay. Just hope you don't have a white leather sofa. (laughs) Okay, and moving on from spray tanning, can you please tell me more about the British beauty standards? Well, I got me thinking, okay, so I'm Indian. We are renowned for having quite a few. So being Indian, it got me thinking about beauty, okay, and... Miss Worlds. Like, India's renowned for having quite a few Miss Worlds mm-hmm. in their time. And then it got me thinking, because we were talking about Britain's Next Top Model and, like, British beauty standards. 
And I was like, has there ever been a British Miss World? There has. But not recently. Really? Okay. Exactly, right? You're like, when? When was there ever a... But there has been. Um, I think it's probably worth saying as well that there's been so many different kinds of these like competitions over the years. But it also got me thinking about, like when we say a British Miss World, because Mm. we are such a multicultural society, our beauty standards are a complete mishmash of things. So do you actually happen to know what the Indian beauty standard is? Because the question was, do you fit that standard? Me personally. Mm. So in Asia, and this is your, you can probably say this as well, skin tone mm. is, there's a premium on the shade of your skin. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's tied to like a lot of, frankly, colonial remnants of the yeah. way that they, you know, classify society. But that hair, long, dark, thick, shiny mm-hmm. hair, um, I think lips, we like kind of like bright standout, distinctive mm-hmm. features. I think that's the thing. It'd be very distinctive features. Eyes, like we really play up eyes and mm-hmm. eye makeup and, you know, coal, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'd say there's nothing subtle about Indian beauty standards. I mean, if you look at the more internationally known or you know recognized beauties from India they look quite European but again like I said colonial overthrows right of overtures sorry of what was considered desirable I think I used to say this to people a lot so I think in the UK not, just to clarify, neither Neha and I, or I, are people who are particularly, I guess, vain about do people think we look good. I think mm-hmm. we look good for ourselves yeah. and sometimes each other when we go for dinner. <laughs> um, but I would say, you know, with that Asian element, I would say I'm con- considered okay attractive in this country. Or- okay, Jan- Janice is being like very modest. What she's basically saying is she's very looking. <laughs> Thank you. But that's not what I meant. I think, I think. But you have all of the, like, of the things I just described, right? Like you would, in your. This wouldn't apply though in Hong Kong, because in Hong Kong, I'm not skinny enough, actually. Even though. You're very healthy. I don't know where else. Yeah. Apart from cutting an arm off. uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how else to achieve that. also, like, if you look at traditional Asian beauty, like, sorry, Chinese beauty, yeah. my eyes don't fit the ideal because they don't go up and yeah. they're not the right shape because I've actually got quite round eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, I do tick the box of having double lids, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. I think I've told you before, I've had some people come and ask if I'd had surgery done for my eyelids. And I'm like, don't be crazy. Um, but that's very highly prized uh, in Asia. Um, 
Because it's a big thing. It's a big industry. And we're not going to touch on it, but it's a big, big industry. Mm. And I would actually say I'm not, yeah, just purely I'm not skinny enough. I think like my bum, which I've trained for, is not actually that attractive in Asia. That's just different. Like, yeah, but I mean, that's different body standards. Skinny. I'm talking about, yeah. Because that's the thing, right? People always say you can change your body, but not a face that easily. You can change your face too. Yeah. (laughs) But then when you have kids, (laughs) the truth will come out. (laughs) Rude. So to wrap this episode up, I want to know what has been your fashion peak and your fashion, like, night like the worst fashion faux pas you think you've ever made i need a minute to think about this um do you remember so i'll I'll mention the ones where we've been together i think that that's a that's easier for us to reference to do you remember the christmas party the year before where I wore this black sparkly long sleeved maxi dress. Yes. With a thigh slit. Yes. I really like that because I'm a firm believer that you don't need to show everything and you can still, you know, look pretty good. And I liked my hair that night. I remember I did, um, I did a very deep side parting and had like those like really tiny braids done on one side to keep all the hair up and then I had my hair like curled on the other side so I think that was a pretty good look this is a very good look and actually you know I regularly send you pictures of my work outfits (laughs) I feel like I've been quite on point this year so far um and the worst faux pas I don't think I've had any while we've been together because Obviously, I'd make an effort to look nice. Um, Typically, it would be pairing something cropped with trousers that are either not high-waisted enough or not low-waisted enough. And then you end up having this, like, really embarrassing bit around your gut. And then it just looks terrible. And then you spend the whole day pulling it down. Or pulling your trousers up. Um, yeah, usually it's that for me. Or wearing dresses that are maybe a little bit too short. And then you feel so self-conscious the entire day. I think that's I, just like... I did... This thing did happen to me when I was a kid. It's not really a fashion faux pas, but it was hell embarrassing. Um, so we had these really like short... You know those running shorts? Like PE shorts? Yes. They're super short. Uh, and I must have been like 12 or 13. And we went for this outing and the bench was wet. So I put like a shopping bag, like a from a supermarket to sit on it. And then when I stood up, I realized that the red on the back has transferred to the back of my leg. So I just looked like I had an accident for the rest of the day. That was pretty bad. That is pretty bad. Yeah. But it's okay. You you it's okay. It hasn't scarred you that much. No. Kind of. <laughs> and actually, it's slight sidebar, but I think it I wish someone could fix this problem, but it's the legging camel toe. You know, like 
I know that Khloe Kardashian, I think, came up with a product for it. Yeah. But it's not easily purchasable here, I think. And it's just this constant worry I have when I go to the gym that it's going to happen. I can't help you with that one. Khloe Kardashian. It's just unavoidable sometimes. Like if you're squatting, like you're actually doing movements, it will ride up. And it's one of my least favorite things, but I, I will still swear by leggings. And how about you? I mean, I'm a child of the 90s. So I feel like there were lots of questionable fashion choices, as evidenced by my childhood photo albums. <laughs> the shell tracksuit, to name one. You know, the matchy-matchy shell tracksuits. Oh, my God. I knew you already shamed me about those ones, but I had the Juicy Couture set. So I, I've never sunk that low. Um, I will say that. Nor have I ever worn Ugg boots. Have you ever worn Crocs? No. Thank you. No. Like I said. Yeah, I think those probably, like, yeah, but I mean, I'm sure there's some more recent ones that people would like the Monsters Inc. coat <laughs> that you said. But I don't no. consider that a fashion faux pas. I just consider that part of my personality. I really like this a blue floral dress you once wore to work and it's a maxi dress and it was very pretty but I don't remember where it was from and I also really like you know you bought that dress with the sheer sleeves the black the little black, black dress that, that originally I, Adams. yes I actually really like it on you I think it's a good yeah. look um yeah no I wore that to your birthday dinner yeah I think I know which blue dress we're talking about mm. Yeah, it had a lot of flow to it. <laughs> I think blue is a good colour for you. Yeah, I do want a lot of blue. On that note, then, it's been fun. I feel like it's indulged all of our fashion e- inner fashionistas. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell listeners that we've always joked about having um, a massive mansion that's joined in the middle so that we can just you know share clothes hang out but also be private yes it's like having a session with a shared wardrobe that's basically what we are yeah all right thanks everyone make sure you subscribe and like and review on whatever platform you're listening to and we'll be back next week Subscribe, rate and review on your favourite podcast platform and follow us on Instagram at Culturally Speaking Podcast. You can also check out our website, culturallyspeaking.co.uk for a transcript of this episode. Share your stories or your show ideas with us by sending us an email at theculturallyspeaking at gmail.com.